Welcome to episode five of Gamer's Galaxy. Today we have a special guest, Matt, from Last Resort Game on IMX. We got Rubik, of course, as well. Rubik, how are you doing this morning? Good, mate. Very, very early morning, one o'clock in the morning. So hopefully I sound awake today. There you go. <laughs> how about yourself, Matt? How, how are things going for you? I'm really good. It's five for me, so I have the easy time, I guess. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Even better. Uh, it's 8 a.m. for me, and bright and early on a Friday morning, and we're ready to go. <laughs> Let's go. Um, yeah, and, and again, thank you, uh, Matt, for taking the time, coming by the podcast, telling us a little bit about the game, how um, you chose... Uh, you know, we'll, I guess we'll we'll get started and, and dive into some of the questions. Um, you know, what what was your inspiration for the game Last Resort? Yeah, thanks really for for having me and for doing what you guys are doing. I, I really love this kind of format. Um, for for the game, really, it's a it's a reflection. It's like a thought that that grew and grew over the years. Uh, I started with you know CryptoKitties and seeing what these guys did, and then actually Infinity in twenty twenty one. So. For me, it was really about, hey, this Web3 thing seems to have interesting new mechanics show up. Uh, and for me, who have spent you know, 10 years in pretty much in freemium, I was, I was doing freemium games maybe the last eight years, let's say, or nine years. And it, you know, now we have the recipes all settled for this. We, we know how to monetize games. We have plenty of different items in our tool set, and, and we apply them according to which game we're making. And Web3 was like this whole brand new thing. And now we had exciting new mechanics to, to think about. So I really wanted to say, okay, what is new with Web3? And to, to me it was community economics. Like how can you have open economies in games and how can that make the experience of the player really fun? So I thought, hey, if you're gonna make an open economy game, which game should you make? And I looked at, you know, the whole spectrum of different games you could make and i thought a survival game was really perfect because um you can rely on the story a lot to uh make every web3 aspect feel natural so for example you 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 do nft sales you know or nft collections and you have a limited supply but why is the supply limited well in our case the military who has managed to secure the city uh, has uh, some surplus gears that it keeps but once it sold or what it's given, that's it. You, you don't have any more of that. So that, that really explained the, um, for example, in this particular case, uh, the limited supply. Then we have the decentralization, which in our case is like going from martial law, which is, okay, you had this very big military event uh, following a, a Black Swan event. Uh, and you start with the martial law to control everything, but then you want to come back to democracy as much as fast as possible. And that's the decentralization we have where we, give to the player a lot more freedom of action and, and new tools so that they can interact between each other without going through us. Uh, same with land ownership and land ownership is basically, hey, now you have your private property. And before that you were in a shared military tent. So the story really helps. Um, and then the mechanics are about crafting and also about lending. And we really wanted to have that on the blockchain, which allows for direct contact between players. So it's not really an inspiration as to, hey, I've seen this and I want to do it a bit differently. It's more, um, what is Web3 bringing? What is interesting there? What do I want to explore? And which game should I make so that I explore it to the best? Yeah, I, I really like that approach too. Um, I mean, really coming to uh, a new 
environment of of Web three and and seeing the tools that it brings. I like that perspective of hey, what tools do we have at our at our disposal and really be able to build a game around around that that tech is is a good idea. Yeah. I think so yeah. too, and I really like uh, what we've done so far. Sorry. Yeah, we do a bit of talking over each other for being in three different re regions. So sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, what influences are you, are you using on the game now? Like, are you getting inspiration from or, or influence from other games that are out at the moment that you can that are guiding you or getting, giving you, you know, direction? Yeah, absolutely. As as any game maker, you know, you have to play a lot of games. You have to see the mechanics. You have to understand the different, you know, personas playing the games and who you're addressing, who's your audience. So it's really important to look at everything that's been made, how also the mechanics have evolved over time, because I, I always say there's a sort of like bell curve of products, like some, some mechanics become more and more common and then they, they kind of fade and people don't like seeing them as much. So yeah, always looking at the market. Uh, we are cross-platform games, so there's both uh, references on the mobile side, but also on the PC side and, and console. Um, one that I find interesting, and, and, and we pick things from games uh, that are quite broad, as you'll see. But one, for example, is Escape from Tarkov, uh, which is decently recent. And I like this one for the risk-reward aspect of it. Like when, when you're in the action phase, you're really risking everything you have or everything you brought with you in the hope that you can come back with more. Uh, and this is one aspect that we have this risk-reward. Get out, take some risks, uh, hopefully calculated, <laughs> so that you can gain uh, when, you, uh, when you come back to town with, uh, with more stuff. Uh, another one we find interesting is EVE Online for the massive community it has, for the longevity of the title, but also for the site that is value destruction. Uh, we don't have that now, but we're looking at what they're doing and we're really curious as what they're going to do with, with Web3 because they have this ingrained in their game and that's quite unique. And then on, on mobile, we have uh, maybe two, two, two games that are interesting. One is Last Day on Earth, which was really successful about se seven years ago, eight years ago, that has this uh, loop of uh, crafting, uh, which we find uh, really, really key for us. And then we have Into the Dead 2, which is a, a game made by a studio uh, in New Zealand. And first, it's, a, it's quite a good game. And then secondly, uh, it relies heavily on the story. So one of the main retention mechanic is you're hooked in the story, and you really feel like you're helping people, and you want to continue. And I find that really cool. Plus, the gameplay is a real shooter, which is a very accessible type of uh, action phase. And we want all our action phases to be really accessible um, so that you can play it on plenty of different platforms and so that anyone can actually enjoy the game. Perfect. Cool. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, you, you're talking a little bit about the the different um, phases of, of the game and, and what you're looking for um, in playability. Um, take us through a little bit of the, the core game loop of, of Last Resort. Yeah, so when you when you arrive in, in Last Resort, it's because you received the call, you know, radio call from the military so that you can come back to this safe place and hopefully start a life that is a little bit more normal uh, after the invasion of, of monsters, basically. And uh, this city is, is the safe place where you're going to develop your character, develop your gear, develop your relationship with other players. So it's really what you would typically call the meta game uh, of the game, but it's in a 3D scene and, and you can see everyone else here. This is the... MMO aspect of, uh, of our game. And uh, from there, you can choose the different adventures you want to go on. So one of them, and this is the one we have in the, in the pre-alpha we have already available now, 
uh, and this one is a loop of, of crafting. So you get out of town, you go to dangerous areas uh, as prepared as you can be. You manage to collect items and you strategize around which items you want to collect. You bring them back to town, eventually store them, and then eventually craft new items. Would it be uh, weapons, would it be uh, armor, or other elements that help you uh, survive? Uh, and then you continue doing this so that your character can progress and can uh, get stronger and stronger. And hopefully what you do is you participate in time-limited events. And this is something we take from Web2. Time-limited events are, are really commonplace uh, and they're a good way to have something you know, fresh, fresh content. And in our case, it's really the best way to incentivize a very positive loop uh, within uh, our, our player community because you have these new areas that open, it's fun, it's engaging, you know, it's something new to try. And we're going to have a little board where players compete, for example, for clearing it first. Um, and this, if you want to have a chance to be on the top of the leaderboards, you have to be prepped before. So you have to have engaged with that loop of increasing your gear little by little, so played uh, regularly. And then uh, you have to play with friends. Uh, all our, our gameplays are collaborative. The city is persistent, it belongs to everyone, and then every gameplay is collaborative up to four people and crossplay. Um, and so you go on those time limited events, you go in a new zone, uh, and you fight with your friends to, to be at the top of the board and potentially earn hard currency in, in this case. So this is really the loop. Regularly, you, you, you improve your characters, and then from time to time, you go on those crazy missions with your friends, you organize and you compete. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, that sounds interesting. Is it like, so it's a persistent world that changes when you're offline? Well, so, yeah, the, the city is. Yeah, the city is and you have, uh, you know, you have a map and you have land ownership for, for NFT players. But we also have the game as a freemium version. So players don't have to own NFTs. And then if they want to become NFT owners, they have a soft ramp, which we'll talk about maybe a little bit later. Uh, that helps them get towards NFT ownerships in a very transparent way. Yeah, okay. And um, is there plans potentially for the future for potential player-built cities and player-built content? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, so this is, uh, and it's mentioned in the white paper, but it's basically season after season. We want to have a game as a service. Uh, the first version will launch uh, about a year from now. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a certain... Uh, part of the features we want and then little by little we will uh, create more and one of those things is when you have uh, ownership of your land then you'd be able to construct on it and then you'd be able to make decisions as to what you craft uh, with the space you have uh, but also just simply personalize your space and this is also something we want to provide to guild members uh, and guilds so guilds could have their sort of hq there and they could use the landing mechanic where they own some interesting gear uh, that players can use and they can lend it to their community in the rules that they make up, right? So we don't want to be making all the rules. We want to give special tools, basic tools that then guilds and other communities can organize around. Interesting. That was kind of like ties into my long-term. Another question I wanted to ask you about the long-term vision you've covered. A lot of it, is there anything else that we haven't covered about what your long-term vision is for the game? Yeah, there is. So, so basically, we want this game as a service, right? We want the game to have a life and, and continue and, and regularly bring new things. That's new content. Uh, that's uh, the decentralization that play season after season. We also want to add new gameplays. So this gameplay, the first one is uh, the crafting one, but then we have attacking, which will be uh, in a um, uh, rail shooter kind of gameplay, and then defending, which is a tower defense. So we add gameplay so that players can choose how they spend their time in the game. And then 
really our vision for for long term is uh, pushing the decentralization as far as we can go uh, while it still makes sense in the game so one example is hopefully let's say you know sometime after after launch as fast as we can manage uh, we would like to get to a point where season after season we have a set of choice that we delay to the players so imagine going into the game you have the city and now the city has governors to its players meaning you have a mayor who's elected you have a council and together with voting happening uh, on the blockchain they can make choices for the city so the storyline can develop this way where at the beginning of the season maybe you don't know everything that will happen during that season and then when new events happen the community can discuss and then ultimately the choice goes to the people who were elected to manage the city and again tying down into the story i feel like all these possibilities we have with blockchain is really interesting and can can you know supplement what you could do with webtoon yeah that's a really yeah, the, cool design i like that idea yeah the, you know what i think about decentralization this is mm -hmm. i'm not a big fan a big fan of like the decentralize everything kind of model the DAO where they have the person with the most token gets voted in and they start deciding what how to balance the economy and that what happened in crypto unicorns they had the community decide the price of the of the unicorn when the company has a dedicated economist paid that's an expert deciding that and it went they put the prices up and it just absolutely tanked the like the, the there was no one breeding anymore because it was too expensive so they just started yep. selling all the all the all the content so the decentralization i believe in and think would be awesome is exactly what you just described people de yeah. making decisions on the game itself like in the game what they like and having having the story decided for that yeah so i'm really excited by by that um by you answering the question that way it was great yeah, so this is a this is a main point right the main point of the long-term vision is this but it is true too that we want to have uh the players become part of the meta game meaning that for example the crafting at the beginning will be done by us by central command but ultimately we want to have uh licenses to craft uh, by the players for the players, basically. Uh, and in this case, we have thought of just what you described, which is an exploit. Uh, you have someone who comes in into the economy and exploits it to his own benefits or to his own goals, which are not necessarily for the best of the community. And in this case, our, our way of handling it is, yes, we will have licenses to the players, but we will always have an NPC managed uh, place that handles exactly the same things, except that it's typically more expensive. So if someone starts to do price fixing and you have you know several actors coming together and saying hey now we're going to double the price and we feel that this is going to you know uh, block the community or, or we have community feedback saying hey the game is becoming really annoying because of this then we we always have a way to um, to rebalance let's say because yeah decentralizing everything uh, is an ideal it's it, on paper it would be awesome uh, but but in reality uh, we can see exploits, we can see ways where it could go sideways. So you have to keep a way to, to you know, correct. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I kind of wanted to touch a little bit on, um, you know, your, your choice in, in partner, you know, why, why choose immutable in the first place? What, uh, what really brought you, uh, over to immutable X? Yeah, so the, the, the main thing, well, first, we, we started the project when Ethereum was still proof of work. <laughs> so uh, I, hope, I hope soon it's going to sound like something super old right now. It's still, <laughs> it's still pretty, pretty recent, but we really wanted proof of stake. So uh, 
at first we, we were not necessarily uh, that interested and Ethereum came towards proof of uh, stake, which made it way more interesting for us, but they were still only with StockNet. And that had one ma major limitation, which is the smart contract were not exactly smart contracts. They were um, sort of uh, emulated uh, on server side. So it was basically centralized. And in our case, we developed the game so that we would actually use smart contracts because we believe that we have to, to experiment with these kind of tools and they have to be on the blockchain and we have to get all the benefits from that. So we were talking a lot with the Immutable team uh, going to different uh, conferences and those guys are awesome. Like the team is really all towards gaming. Uh, they took the time to understand what we were doing, understand our needs. Uh, they took the time to play the, the, the version before we became partners now that we are. Uh, so I, I've, we really enjoyed those guys but they still had only the stock net. So once they announced uh, the partnership with Polygon, and now we could have uh, smart contracts with Solidity, now it all became clear. It's like, okay, we have this partner, the underlying uh, technology works great. Uh, it helps us get uh, cheaper transactions, which means we can have more things as NFTs. We can, have, uh, we, we can think of more uh, mechanics. And then we have on top Immutable, who brings a lot of different tools uh, that we planned on having anyway. So in the end, we have this like one central partner that is uh, having its whole uh, set of tools progress by the needs of a big community of game makers, and we benefit from it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I I, I see that as as a huge plus for um, the entire community of of game makers of builders is is that you have. Uh, basically an environment um, built for gamers by gamers and and the support you would receive uh, is is very uh, directed towards that type of, of thing so it makes it seem to me at least um, like it's it's a win-win right there yeah, and I think it's only going to get better because uh, my my thinking around all this uh, Web3 mechanics is at this time, no one has found this set of tools I was mentioning for Web2, at least not all of it. And we're going to discover mechanics that work. We'll see, oh, this game has this big community and this, this mechanic is engaging and, and it's really working. And once we have this, we will try to uh, use similar types of mechanics to introduce in other games. And having a, a, a partner that is ready to develop everything necessary for that to happen on the blockchain, which is still a pretty technical uh, aspect of game development, well, it's, it's just great. It, it's going to give us some flexibility. Uh, it's going to give us uh, the basically the means we need to scale fast uh, once uh, once blockchain games become more um, commonplace. Absolutely. Are you, are you going to use the, the obviously ZKEVM, but ZKEVM is going to have APIs as well, as well as custom um, contracts that you can uh, yep. put on the, to the blockchain as well. Have you made a decision, yep. is it going to be a mix of both or is it just one way? And, and also, what other tools that you know about, like that, the, that consumers know about, are you building into your product? AKA, um, oh, sorry, or potentially Passport, obviously. Yeah, so Passport is the one I hinted to a bit earlier, and for sure, this is something we wanted from the beginning because we want to have a freemium game, um, and we want everyone to be able to enter and start playing and have fun without owning NFTs. So Passport, for sure, uh, is really a good one. It's really important, uh, and it's great that they have it. 
Uh, the layer two aspects we will benefit from as well. Uh, again, we can have more NFTs this way, etc. The smart contract is really important. Exactly where it goes uh, for your first question, I we don't we have not made a choice on that yet. Uh, for now, we are focusing more on the mechanics and how we want to have them and the player experience. Uh, but the the actual development of it, and as you know, DKVM is not fully out there yet. We we don't have a testnet yet. Um, we we we're not there yet, basically, on the implementation side of things. Uh, what I feel strongly about is once we have figured out how we want to do it, I'm sure Immutable is going to be a great partner to to actually execute. So I'm not I'm not concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, have you? Um, how how are you going with the team? Is that is there any you know extra resources you could use at the moment to help you know build the team, build build the game? Sorry. Yeah. So we we. We, we're trying to have a seed round right now, which would help uh, scale scale the team Im immensely. Uh, but the way we structured uh, allows us to operate already. And we've, we've really gone for a game first approach. Uh, the idea was to go the other way than what some of what we've seen in 2020 or 2021, where you know you were building a big community on big promises, but then you had a very hard time delivering. So we did the opposite. We didn't do the community part. We just did the, uh, the prototype so that when we get to the community, which is happening now, as you can see, um, we already have a playable, um, a playable prototype. We, it's already cross-platform. It's already multiplayer, uh, and it's quite fun to play. So it's really the best way for us to say to the community, "Hey guys, we we mean business. We we're gonna deliver this. Look at what we've managed to deliver in a short amount of time, uh, and a small team. So let's uh, let, let's start this community now. Uh, let's uh, hear about what people are expecting. Let's see what they understand, what they don't understand, what they feel is a good idea, what they feel it's not, uh, and really benefit from this Web3 uh, kind of uh, grassroots aspect of things where you have a much more direct contact with the game makers. And I cannot imagine how this would not be a great thing for the product in the end. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's, that's really what we're doing now. And the people at, at EMX have been absolutely awesome, uh, both on the business sides where, um, again, like I mentioned, they, they got interested in what we were building, which is really the key. And we have not seen this level of interest and, and how much time they're spending on understanding what we're doing from, from everyone out there, from the competitors, let's say. And I think that's so, huge right there. Um, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I've been in a lot of communities where um, they, they build up the community, they, they drop ass, assets uh, for a game that's not built yet. And, um, and it goes south pretty quickly. And you know, it's it's really exciting to see, um, you know, a game like Last Resort come out of come out of hiding, if you will, and and show its yeah. face um, and have something playable. And and that's something that I got, uh, you know, involved in early with Immutable X. Um, one of the first games that I I was involved in, played Viworlds. They they gave you direct access to the team and they gave you direct access to um, how the game design was going to, to be and how some of the, the work, the, the flow of, of the buttons that you were going to be using because it was mobile and desktop as well, because you could play it in the browser. Um, it gave that sense of like ownership to the community. And then also it gave it the ability for a lot more input to be put in and the cool thing about that is 
the areas where the developers could over deliver, they did. And, and that was something that is huge for this space under promise over deliver, get something that is absolutely above and beyond uh, what the end user is expecting. Right. And, and that gives this ability to say, Hey, um, we actually have a game to play instead of um, working on having your community build the lore of the, of the game for you. And um, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, projects are doing that. Yeah, yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more, and uh, that's also why our trailer is made fully in game. So we've we've seen a lot of CGI trailers where if you pay your company enough money, they'll make something that is absolutely awesome looking, and this is really the best way to overpromise. <laughs> so in our case, you can see what the status of the game is because we have the trailer; it's shot one hundred percent in game, and then we did some playthroughs, and I hope to do more. I did one with Ryan, which was really cool. Um, so yeah, what you see is what you get. And uh, then you can see the, the white paper, you can see uh, all that to, to understand what the vision is, or eventually listen to the podcast. <laughs> so we don't want to sound like complete shields of IMX. Is there anything that you would ask IMX to improve to help, you know, to do better? Because there's obviously, they can't be that perfect. You've said a lot of wonderful things about IMX, but is there <laughs> anything you'd like them to, to improve? Well, I'd say come back in six months, you know, when we get more involved and we have to do <laughs> the actual work <laughs> of developing, on, uh, I'll, I'll, have a, I'll have maybe a different thing to say. <laughs> That's a diplomatic answer. Okay, we'll ask you again in six months, mate. Yeah, when, uh, yeah. when you... <laughs> no, but uh, the only thing, because you, you, I, I wondered if you asked this, but it, um, to me, it's not reached the full potential yet, uh, IMX. So it's like... I feel like they're doing every step necessary to be in the right spot at the right time. I just want it to happen now. So it's, it's not yeah. really something bad to say about them because I, I, I wouldn't do things differently in their shoes. I think they're doing the right way, the right things. I am confident that they will continue to deliver uh, in the future. But again, let's, let's see in six months. Um, but yeah, I, I hope we get just more players in the overall system, let's say. That's that's the day I, I dream of, and that and that's also something that's going to come with time as well. Um, yeah, you're, I know. you're bringing you're bringing uh, to the table one of the first playable Web three games, right? And and that's saying something. And um, you can't have a lot of players if you don't have a lot of playable games, and and that is the bottom line. Um, and, and it's great to see, um, you know last resort and so many other games that are starting to to show their faces and and really bring in um gamers that are are going to kind of keep the sustainability going you know and and keep the the magic alive and i think uh that's that is the next step in in bringing this community together and bringing web3 gaming to the forefront um, and we won't have to call it Web3 Gaming. We'll just call it gaming. And um, that's that's where the the real litmus test comes in. Yeah, yeah you, you're absolutely right. It's, it's basically a consequence of uh, the, the conclusion we had uh, maybe uh, sometime last year where we said, hey, you know, for this to work, we're going to have to have higher quality games. 
better thought games, better mechanics, and truth be told, that stuff takes time. Like today, successful mobile games can take years to develop and the budgets are quite high. So I think this community has understood that this is what is necessary for the good products to launch. And like you mentioned, a lot of people are working on great products. And uh, unfortunately, it takes a little bit of time. So I'm just impatient. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both, lad. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the infrastructure lay is just not there yet. It's just like any infrastructure. When the internet first came out, you know, the dial-up ding, ding, ding sound, you know, like it was so <laughs> slow. It took, a, it took a minute to get a picture out, come up on the screen. Like, what can you do on that? So blockchain's the same, and it's only just starting to hit prime time now, you know, with these, with these ZK and optimistic roll-ups starting to get um, into more mature and with with ecosystems built on them. And Immutable was going down the Stark Net route. Um, you know, they had a diagram saying they had Stark, Stark X and Stark Net and then, then a question mark for another one. So yeah. they've been put, they've been pushed back in their timeline because they once Polygon ZK EVM partnership come out, they deprioritized Stark Net and went to Polygon and had to start from scratch. So, you know, they're a little bit behind and we're in that kind of void period and have been in it for about three, four months where all their focus is on ZKVM and not on on building tools that are on the existing, building on top of the existing um, infrastructure. So that's all gone kind of like on hold and they're building this new stuff. And as soon as it turns on in the next four or five months, I think we'll see you know, the opportunity for games building on IMX to really just go to the moon because Passport, Relayer, Checkout, all these tools that they're building, you know, on top of the best EVM equivalent and only EVM equivalent mainnet still today. So, you know, like there's, there's a, they've got an opportunity once that lands, if they can get it out the door and working within the next three, four months, I think Immutable will take off. Yeah, I, I really agree. And, and to, to complement what you were saying, like uh, before we chose the MX and, and the KVM, um, we were looking at other ecosystems. And at one point I was like, how many partners are we going to have? Because like, oh, for this like uh, soft, uh, soft ramp and, and easy onboarding and non-custodial wallets, I have this partner. And then for this other thing I need to do, I have this partner. And at some point it felt like I was going to get like percentage points taken out of anything I do because I have so many different partners. And it's, it's hard to maintain this way. Uh, and with Immutable proposing everything it does, now you have this one partner, it's much clearer. And, um, and yeah, if they, yeah. if they keep up the good uh, communication with the builders, I'm sure we're in for, for some cool stuff. That's a really big yeah. point too. Um, and, it, it, and it shows for the end user um, as well. So when you're trying to onboard uh, new users, you're looking at the friction uh, caused by having to have so many different partners. You know, you have to go to one place to pay and then you have to go to another place to do something else. And it's like, it just becomes uh, so fragmented to where um, it just, it, it doesn't become usable. Um, and and, and you, with the passport coming and, and everything, I see what you're talking about. Um, you know, you, you had to be with this company to be partners for a wallet. Then for payment system, you had to be with this company or Stripe or whatever. Yeah. And, and it just becomes... As marketplace. Yeah, it, yeah, it just becomes chaos. Um, and then you have uh, just a larger umbrella of Immutable sitting there and allowing you to, to do what you do well, which is make a game. And, and that's, yeah. that's the thing. Cool. It really is, yeah. Really appreciate it. Okay. Oh, sorry. Is there any, um, 
Oh, sorry, mate. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about with your game before we move on to the, our final question? Uh, uh, is there, not particularly, have... just uh, just sharing a bit our approach to community building. So I, I'm working with uh, Notopilot with Ryan uh, to, to reach out to the community. And what we're doing is, is this month we're talking about the game, getting everyone excited, hopefully having people look at the white paper. We're really, really open to comments and understanding how it's received, what, what, what they like, what they don't like. We're really open for this. And then we're preparing something really cool for August where we'll have a two weeks event. It will include a free mint. It will also include competition. It will include a lot of, a lot of fun stuff uh, and, and rewards as well. So stay tuned for this. I hope you can uh, come and, and follow us on the, on the socials so that when that hits up, you, you're the first to know. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, uh, exciting, exciting to see you working with uh, No Autopilot. Um, he, was, he was one of the first people that I really... Uh, enjoyed as a community member in in web3 um and you know i mentioned play by worlds he was he was instrumental in in that team over there and um anytime i had a, a good time uh in web3 early on it was with that guy so um <laughs> you you pick someone good to 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 have uh on board with you and taking you through the community aspect because uh he does it right so good job on that one yeah, it's also something I'm not I'm not super familiar with. You know, I'm a game maker. I've, my my career is in game production, basically. So you know, as a producer, as a studio manager, product product director. I'm not I'm not a marketing guy. So, like having him, you know, guide me through is really helpful. Absolutely awesome. Um, and to finish off, we we always ask our guests, even though you're the first one, but we're going to do it. Um, what game are you playing right now? If it's not your own game, that's a great question. Uh, so. There's there's a few I check on um, on on Web three. One the one I'm playing now, which is interesting to me because it became cross platform, is uh, Cross the Ages, because uh, they've managed to they've managed to go quite high in the rankings on mobile after having a good time on uh, on PC as well. I feel like their community management is really cool. They've they've worked on a long time, you know, before they got there, and they also rely heavily on the law. So I'm I'm interested in how they do things. It's a very different game. It's a TGC game, um, trading card game. Sorry, TG. Um, awesome. So so that's the one I'm I'm playing now on uh, on the different platforms. And then I'm uh, I'm um, how would you say um, I'm an FPS player basically. I've always been since I was uh, younger. So I play a lot of FPSs, a humongous amount of FPS, especially on mobile, because I've spent 10 years on mobile, also on PC. So yeah, I, I was a lot into um, into Battle Royales as well for a long time. And I liked how it got you know used on PC and then brought to mobile and changed a little bit how it worked. So anything that is an FPS, I'm, I'm into. And then um, survival games, I really like as well. Uh, it's just uh, there's less uh, great quality ones that I that I play. But, uh, yeah, I know the feeling. It's not. Oh. <laughs> so, so I hope we can. I hope we can help with this. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. And then um, one of the other things is what was like the first game you know when you were younger or something that like got you into gaming that popped your cherry, if you will, that was like okay, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a gamer the rest of my life. <laughs> well, it, yes. This one is so frustrating for me because 
So I have these, these very vivid memories of going to a friend of mine who is close to my parents' place and we were bringing the big computers and, and stuff, you know, we we're doing basically lands in garages for the weekend. And, and I remember some of the games and there was uh, Counter-Strike at that time, of course. Um, and, and we were playing a little bit of strategy games as well, but I, there was this one FPS game, which I totally forgot the name of, and I only remember by one weapon that was in it, and I can't find what it is. So I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> it's, just too, it's just too long ago, and I, I just don't remember. It was likely something like Quake Arena or something like that. No, uh, this I played a lot. Quake I played a lot, okay. and Real Tournament as well. Yeah. And these were not, <laughs> these were not the ones. It's, you know, it's a time where there was... I think a bit more diversity and and not like massive titles. I don't know. So anything Half Life related, I played plenty of different modes, um, Team Fortress, these kind of things. Um, but there was this one that I remember for a few years, and I think it just you know got forgotten. I don't think it became a license uh, that is used nowadays. I don't know if you can cl- claim that as you're popping your cherry because you'd never forget the name. Yeah. So uh, that's a fair point. Get the name. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking, mate. Yeah. Well, uh, thank- thanks for coming on today. It was an awesome, awesome chat. Uh, appreciate your time. No, my pleasure. And really, thanks for having me and for creating the podcast. I think it's going to be a cool place to, to learn about. Absolutely. And we'll have, to, we'll have to have you back on in, in uh, about six months' time, and then we can revisit some of those questions we had and, and see where, where we're at and, and uh, catch up and, and stuff. That would be great to do. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be my pleasure, too. Awesome. Thank you again for coming on, and um, be sure to keep an eye out for Last Resort coming out on IMX in the near future. Awesome. So that was really cool of uh, Mac from last resort coming by pod and uh, giving us some insight, some uh, deeper look into what they've been building in stealth there a little bit. Uh, what are your, what are your initial thoughts on, on what he had to say in, in the game? Oh, I liked it. It's good. You know, there's a lot of players out there that are building to web threes, old school style of, of you know PFPs and DeFi crowd, and this guy seems to, and the team that he's built seem to get. There's a good mix of gamer and that together, and it feels like he's trying to get the game first, focus on the game, partner with Immutable. That's going to enable them not to have to worry about contracts, but still be uh, you know the zk EVM, which enables their customization. And um, you know there was will be interesting to see. It's a mobile game, so very accessible to people. Um, it's funny, it just comes out of stealth like that, you know, from nowhere. I think it was, I was in the, the ninth person to follow them on Twitter just a couple of days ago. So interesting. I like that better than building in public. It's, it's, I don't agree. You know, people think that I'm crazy for saying this, but I don't agree that you should build a computer, you know, software get development game in public when it's ready to come out soon, like within six months, that's when you're probably at the absolute earliest. And he's done that. And so everything ticks all the boxes for me. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be playing the game for sure. It looks pretty cool. I had a little game of it on the PC. Yeah. So we'll see. I agree. Like, um, big thing, having it be, be mobile accessible. Um, that's a, that's a big part of it as well as, as having the cross play of being able to play with people that are playing on their PC. Um, he had you know when when we asked him what you know what he he sees like being done right i I like that he brought up across the ages um 
because mm. really they have have shown that like hey um a, a tcg uh in the web3 uh environment is something that's still doable um and it doesn't have to be held to something like um gods and chain only or or anything like that and and how he also talked about in-app purchases being um something that that need to be accessible even for that freemium uh style game you know and mm. um that's that's a big point for sure yeah it, it's it, across the ages also highlights that bear and bear and bull markets don't don't um count for gaming it's there's no relevance whatsoever you hear people say building the bear and basking the bull and all this stuff it's, it's just game is game you know if you make a good game you make it easy to access and you make it you know quick and easy for you know, for a certain audience like CTA's 10 15 minute games I believe or 6 minute games you know it's like it's it's it you can see the success they're growing every week there's 65,000 daily active users 8,000 of those are on crypto mate it's if you get it right and you're a good you you build a good game you know market it right and you you just deliver you're going to have success and they are definitely CTA's definitely uh, you know what the industry should be looking at they've released in the middle of the so-called bear that's gonna you know no one should release in that people say so interesting to see how um last resort can pick up from that and try and build on what they've learned from that to you know have success as well yeah absolutely um you know and 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 having the 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 foresight to be able to to see that stuff is is a huge thing and and i really like seeing that from from a team coming going forward yeah so i think one of the next topics we should jump into is uh one of my favorites i think uh right now is is loopering and and taiko um taking on the layer two and now layer three um which is it was Pretty, pretty awesome. Um, I hope you did your research because I, 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 I'm leaning on you for this one, mate. To gonna, gonna be yeah. honest with you, you know, I, I mean, this is something that I, I've, it's been, it's been known that this is gonna happen, um, at least for me, because um, being, being real big in into the Loopering community and and seeing what they have been doing, um, really over the last two years to build to this point, um. It it really always made sense for Tycho to take over the the layer two um, position, and then uh, Loopring being on top of that as a layer three. Because with with Tycho's layer two full Z, uh, full zk EVM as well as being um, Ethereum equi- equivalent, um, that's where the smart contracts will be uh, deployed and the D apps and everything will be deployed on top of the, of, um, of Tyco and allowing for Loopring actually, because basically when, when you take um, a roll up and a ZK roll up, zero knowledge proof, and you put that together on top of another one, if they're using the same type of proof, it's not going to work very, uh, very well at all. And and Vitalik said this from the very beginning. And um, so when designing uh, Tyco, they really made sure that they designed it with a different 
uh, style so that they had the ability to build on top of it with what they've already built in loop ring. And, mm. um, you know, it, it's going to bring the, you know, the costs, transaction costs are going to come down even more, which is incredible considering that I, I literally sent something just a couple days ago and, um, it costs me, I think, point one one something lrc and and that's that is ridiculous and that was at a high gas fee time i think uh gas was sitting around like 50 to 55 and anything on on layer one was costing like 20 dollars to to even uh to really do like a swap was was uh 20 bucks to purchase something on, on open or anything like that was $20 a pop right there. And then mm. even during those high traffic times, being able to send something for 0.1 LRC is, is a gift. And then knowing that once it's deployed on top of Tyco, that's going to go down even more. Um, it, it just blows yeah. my mind. And, and that, that is huge for bringing the masses to a decentralized finance, um, you know, place of, of move, yeah. moving forward. Because if, if you are, are someone that doesn't have uh, a lot and you want to get into something, um, there, it, it, there's zero reason to go to layer one um, at that point when you see the, the, the fee structure and how much it it makes sense to do that. And then they also implemented um, block trade, which allows for uh, getting centralized exchange liquidity uh, for a decentralized exchange, which no one's done yet. Mm. And that that is incredible. Um, that's an incredible feat for a decentralized exchange to bring something like that to the table, and no one else is. What do you think? Um, what do you think? Uh, Looprings like main target audience is? Are they going for the DeFi space or gaming, or they're trying to win all? What, have you gone into it to understand? Have a yeah, deep understanding I mean, of that? I mean, really, it's Loopring is is decentralized finance to start. Um, it it always has been their their push towards gaming is um a community push um it, it really everyone i know personally in the community um has come over to loop ring from gamestop or promotions mm -hmm. through that um there there's obviously a very core group of people that were there before um, the GameStop announcement, and and that's you know the core group of people that have been building for quite a long time since 2018, and yep. that you know that team has always been there. That following and everything that they've done over with uh, Daniel Wang and and um, Byron and everything, they've done a good job of of maintaining that core group, um, definitely. So. As, you know, to get back to your point, I, I see mm -hmm. the the main focus of, of Loopring being um, de definitely DeFi. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, they just done 
according to Layer 2 Radar, they've accumulated 6 billion total volume in its lifetime Libring. So that's a pretty big number. Um, yeah, I, I, saw that. Of accounts. I saw that as mm. well. And, and it's uh, that's a staggering number. That is no small mm. feat. And um, it's a it's a thriving community as well of, of people that have really uh, no technical background in the community that have really learned um, a lot and are starting to be that voice that, that DeFi needs, you know, and, and bringing mm. on uh, people that really don't know the tech about it. They just know that they're seeing banks around them crumble uh, in, in a matter of, of a week time or two weeks time. And that's scary for a lot of people. So mm. being able to kind of be your be your own bank is their slogan. So uh, allowing that to happen um, with such low fees and, and friction, low friction onboarding, um, the technology in the wallet itself as well, they're one of the first mm-hmm. ones with social recovery, you know, and, and that's a very big thing um, when, hey, you lose access to your wallet, what do you do? Um, mm. and, and that's something... That's something that's cool because the people that I have as guardians to my wallet, if I say, hey, I lost access to my phone, I can a- I can actually tell them to, to lock my wallet. Um, and oh, then nice. that's that's something that's amazing. And then once I get access to it, I can a- have them give me the code and then boom, I can unlock it. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't know that. Um, I think the move with Tyco being an equivalent. So there's not a lot of equivalent. Um, layer to ZK. Um, there's lots of compatible, which means it's not 100% equivalent with um, with uh, Ethereum Layer One. So, assuming that that means that anyone that wants to build DeFi products on this Leap Ring can very easily port from their Layer One system to work off out of the box straight away on Tyco's Layer Three with Loop Ring. Correct. So that uh, that'll be. Again, like we've spoken in the last episodes about how Immutable's ZKVM and the importance of it being that people built their contracts on Layer 1 can just out of the box work in, on Immutable in the future. So that's another, like, it's, it's correlated uh, with that. Um, interesting, the, the link between Loop Ring and Immutable is GameStop, really. And um, once DeFi ones um, on, um, on um, more focus on the games, it'd be interesting to see if if when they both get that ZK EVM, can you hear about the the people that are diehard Loopring and diehard Immutable fans in the GameStop community complain? The number one complaint I see is that they can't get their their tokens from Loopring to Immutable very easily at the moment. Exactly. Even though there is, layer, there is layer swap that does it, but it only does a few tokens. So Correct. I hope this means that in the future that they can get set up a very easy swap disk get from stuff instantly, very low fees between the two the two um, chains. And that's going to be huge. I, I think mm. uh, the, the, the Tyco uh, launch, the, the actual launch, will give the ability to have a bridge between... Uh, IMX and Loopring uh, L3 that will be much more accessible than having to go through something like Layer Swap. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So next point I wanted to talk to you about, um, unless you've got something else to say on that um, upgrade update, um, is the Wagme Games Studio going hardcore on 
on our marketing and you know letting the the world know about themselves yeah um i just yeah, we haven't something, really that's something that they've been kind of tease been teasing about for a while um you know one of one of the big things was was you know the the partnership between wagme and and gamestop early on and the fact that it was going to be a mobile game um that you know that's allowed on the on the apple app store which uh notoriously has been uh rooting out any uh blockchain based games uh or it's not necessarily been rooting them out but has been making it pretty hard for them to pass uh their inspection yeah yeah um i just like they're just doing all the right I mean, sometimes you see these these games that that um overhype you know and and i started sensing a bit that with wagme to be honest with you but just they make the right hires they've got the right people in the right roles they've hired like ex ea executives they've got a really great vision they're about to announce i believe like a netflix um video or something a netflix uh, cartoon or anime or whatever um it's something like that for sure that they've, they've been hinted at that now they're partnering with gamestop as well the first time they mentioned gamestop was just a couple of weeks ago which is just so smart and you know like some you've got to be skeptical in this space about you know about about um you know um projects because there's so many out there that are just full of fluff and not really anything to yeah no i agree and and that's one of the things that you know these marketing teams uh for these projects that's their job they're just doing the job uh but at the end of the day um does does the the hype meet the expectations and um you know with wagme it's something that we'll have to see they're really promoting their coin a lot right now um so mm. that kind of coincides with a lot of uh branding and partnerships that they've been doing um you mentioned that like a couple weeks ago was the first time that they had mentioned gamestop but it isn't um they actually mentioned gamestop one of their very first tweets that they oh did they yeah that they did and and that's really why i've been watching them for so long um is because okay. they they did sneak something into that early on but it wasn't it wasn't very noticeable at first to to the to the layman and I think that's why I've I've had my eye on them so much. Um, yeah, okay. I, I'm, I'm no, looking, I did. I'm looking forward to it um, to see what, like you said, is there going to be a Netflix style show? Because they do have the whole backstory of of everything. Um, they have the comic books that they released as as the NFT um, collectible. Yep. So that would make sense, and that would be really cool to have. Um, a full-on Netflix show along with uh, with the game, and I I know that there's a couple other uh, projects that are are looking to do that, but they actually I know that of a couple other projects that are looking to do that, but they are not also games. They're they're like a profile picture mm. project type thing, and then they're they're going that yeah. direction. Yeah, but it, it's oh I I didn't get to finish because I had to be quiet because someone's cooking bacon in my house and the uh, <laughs> fire alarm's going off. So if you can hear that, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> it's like, seriously. Um, so yeah, like what I meant, what I did want to say is that I didn't want to say that 
it's all hype. I wanted to finish saying that I've done the research. I've looked into it. There's a lot of supporters of it because of the substance they've got, because they've got the right people in the right roles that have got outstanding experience in delivering high quality content, high quality outcomes, marketing partners. You know, they didn't do a huge, um, you know, VC with a cliff kind of sale at the start on their token. I think they've done a little bit now to raise a bit of funds, but you know, they, they haven't got like, you know, the, the VC are going to dump on all, on all the users. Their tokens is huge numbers of tokens, like two trillion or something like that. So it's never going to be like a fifty dollar token, but it's you know it's it, it's. I think that's what a game token should be. It should be that that low for flexibility to for it to go up a lot, but still be very very cheap for people to access and buy stuff. So and that's the token big, gets. To, that's a big point. I want to cut in right there because early go, go. early on, a lot of games that didn't have their own token yet they took IMX tokens that they were granted and started giving them away. Okay? Mm. And the, and yeah. th- that's a big problem because looking back at it, uh, that's funding that they started to start uh, trickle out into uh, users' hands that in at the end of the day, people started expecting again and again. And once it wasn't there, the the daily active users that everyone's trying to get started dying with that giveaway because it's not sustainable. So stop giving people tokens that you're granted unless they they really deserve something like they've done something above and beyond. But, you know, it's scary to see. And then this this direction, if you will, allows them to. Like you said, that flexibility. Mm. Hey, it's uh, it'd be interesting to see how they go. They've, they've got really cool marketing ideas with the you know with um, Scott dressing up as that um, you know human emperor, walking around the streets and get. They've just, they just got a lot of ideas. The, the game's you know pretty cool. I played it a couple of times. Um, they're not. I think they just got the right attitude. They want to get rich, like any person in this world building projects like this. But then they're, they're not doing it at the expense of the of the player. I don't believe. And so, yeah, I'll be interested to follow it and see how we go in the, in the imminent release. We believe so. Probably at the end of this summer, I reckon they're going to release the game to the app stores, ready to play for everyone, free to play. Yeah, and I, I think that's that seems about right to me as well. Mm. So the the next section we'll we'll move on to is. Uh, some of the movements, some of the rattling and shaking in the IMX uh, environment. Um, one mm. of the new newest added uh, items was Eyeball Pool, uh, big mm. big signing for IMX and big partnership. I feel there, um, casual gaming meets competitive gaming. Um, yep. That's that's kind of. I mean, you, you go to the, the pool hall and there's always, you know, your group of friends you play with for fun. And then, uh, you know, when you, you want to have a, a tournament, uh, you, you have that ability as well. And I, mm. I love this. Uh, I think it's great. Yeah, I, I don't know too much about the pool, but apparently they have 1 billion downloads on their, on their um, Web 2 version of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, it, it's yeah. something you can do when when you're kind of bored on your phone, and it's uh, doesn't take much time. And uh, you know, the the web two coming to web three, I I, I see this as a, as a big win for IMX. 
Yeah, it's a, it's again another mobile game. They've got, signed a lot of mobile games recently, if you haven't noticed. Um, I think their strategy is definitely to focus on, well, not focus on solely, but like just to put, make sure that they're covering that market. It obviously makes sense. There's three and a half billion gamers, and majority of those are on, on mobile, yeah. um, in the world. For but, sure. Does that does that translate into profits and all that stuff? I'm not so certain. Um, you know, I think the majority, yeah, it, uh, the people that spend that money on mobile gaming aren't the kind of people that are going to come to Web three and tr- and grind out cash for it. You know, like it's they're just having their candy crushes and that. Like, does that translate into Web three? I, I might be wrong. I'm not saying I know for sure, but I still think that PC, the b- best value would be like PC. Or consoles, if we can get there eventually. Yeah. On the Web three, but um, I, I yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and I, I, I think um, that I think that um, one of the things as well is that that casual style game. How do you make it competitive? How do you make it to where um, it's not a who has the biggest checkbook to to win these tournaments type things? Um, yeah. And and that's that's something I I has still yet to be seen really so we'll see about that yeah um but it's not all good news for immutable um with movements as we know um they've lost a few games this week as well in the last month say um we've mentioned star heroes to arb last week that's uh again a nature of the smaller players smaller games not getting the hands getting allured away by a, a chain that's that, that uh, has a lot simpler process to onboard. And in, in, in what I mean that is that they can copy paste their onboarding of a, of a game with, with Ethereum and it limits what you can do. It limits, you know, <laughs> expanding on top of that, but you can get going a lot quicker, I believe, on, on, on ARB. And you could immutable. You'd need to do a lot of at the moment research and understanding for the for the StarkX um, play. But so we Star Heroes has gone to Arb Ireland of par, parts of Ireland announced that they're um, in partnership with Altura. Altura seems to go after you know um, immutable games because they're similar. They do SDK similar to, and they lure along the on the multi chain um, ability. People can put their NFTs anywhere they want. You know, and just another thing us. I think they're doing also is they're they're scrapping the the um, the fees. So transaction fees, uh, like uh, for sending NFTs and things like that. I I believe that they were doing gasless as well. Um, that's something that I I heard one of their representatives talking about at three XP. So I think yeah. they may have uh, kind of scooped a, a few. Uh, projects with with that promise as well which that's only limited isn't it that wasn't like an endless supply of gas free it's like we'll suck you in by giving you a limited time of gas free once you get certain volume i believe that is the truth that it is a limited time um deal but um again i i could be wrong then again they did not have the largest presence at 3xp they did have like booth if you want to call it that it was more of a sitting area um which uh i i wasn't sure what i was supposed to do uh other than just sit there and that's where (laughs) that's where i i kind of overheard one of their reps talking about that and uh i i thought it was interesting so 
Um, and yeah. then, I mean, Cyber Gals as well. They it sounded like they may be moving, but uh, it looks like they are going to be uh, committed to staying on IMX. Um, yeah, but they are. Um, they're not. So they confirmed. Go ahead. They confirmed that they're, they're staying on IMX with their current. Uh, like what the NFTs they got now. So they're going to be integrated to their game with IMX, but they said their future was a very uh, diplomatic where is not is not defined right. where we're going to be in the future, which is they have, their social media person has kind of indicated that's Oasis or Consensus. So or, or I think it's ERA Network. Is that right? Yeah. ERA? Yeah. Um, so like that doesn't mean that they've finalized that there, but it, who knows? There's lots of, um, you know, up in the air, vague statements. They don't like to commit to what what they what they decided until the very end, I guess. Um, I, I think and- part of that has to do with uh, the the test net, right? Of of having their of immutables uh, test net of of their zk EVM. Um, how you know we've been told, like, yeah, they're testing it right now. Um, how long will they have to wait? you know, as a project to mm. do more development uh, that they feel they need to do now, right? And mm. if another yeah. chain is going to allow them to do that stuff now, they may they may have to make that decision depending on what their runway looks like, you know? And yeah. um, I know for a fact that when I checked out CyberGals recently, I was playing around with, with one of mine, and I did notice that it had an option to transfer your CyberGal to uh, Layer 1, which is something I did mm. not see as an option before. Mm. Yeah, that's because they're keeping their options open. Exactly, <laughs> so exactly. Um, there's one more that I wanted to talk about with the movements is uh, it's probably the, the, the worst loss that, I've, that, I've, that Immutables had is Oxy Origin yeah. to BNB. So... And I listened into a the AMA, the BNB AMA, where they had like five or six games, making all these statements like they're the best games in the world and they're going to be leading the gaming revolution. I looked at the games; they're all garbage except for Oxy Origin. Um, that it's, but the, the Oxy Origin guy that spoke was quite critical of Immutable and kind of opposite to what we just heard from from Matt from last last um, resort. So. Uh, there wasn't anything really outwardly, like directly, but it was like little jabs. Like, and the one thing I picked up was it was the, the 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 support they're getting from Immutable, which they already announced Altura, um, like Oxy Origin. And again, what we're finding is these companies are choosing Altura as a stopgap between, as, whilst because Immutable doesn't do the smart contracts yet. So I think that's what's going to happen. Oxy Origin has has fallen. They need it now because the game's nearly ready and ZK EVM's not out. So Immutable hasn't been able to service them like they need. And so they've chosen BNB. And funnily, they didn't say OP BNB. The, that, that space wasn't about OP BNB as well. It was just about their old, right. you know, really poor layer two. That's the copy of Ethereum. Right. And, uh, you know, that there's still kind of a bitter taste in my mouth about Oxio origin. Um, they, they did a really big space with, uh, IMX when they first announced mm. that they were going to be on IMX and, mm. uh, they, they did a bunch of hype. Um, and 
I, I went into their discord. I started asking the questions. Um, and one of the, the, the community managers was, you know, didn't necessarily like the, the way I was asking some of the questions or something got real short mm-hmm. with me and, and started saying, well, if you, if you want to know more, go here, you know? And it, and it was like, it was just their info page and I had already read that information and that's why I was mm-hmm. there to ask those questions. And, uh, it, it seemed like he couldn't be bothered to, to really answer the questions, which again, it was early, but still for, for something that, um, seems so close to, to launching and everything, if it felt like there should be more answers than I was being given. And I think that might've had to do with not knowing for sure if they were going to stay with IMX or not, because a lot of the questions were pointed towards that. So, yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these games are um, getting grants, but the grant program with IMX doesn't give you tokens up front. There's it, the way it works for the majority of the games when they, unless you're a published, which is only five games for immutable, then you, your grant is only on volume of, of NFTs. And if you notice that the volume of NFTs are, are on Immutable at the moment uh, is post-game release, not pre-game release. It's like, it's that fragment of liquidity. So the, the post-pre-game release NFTs are coming, the liquidity is coming from Ethereum layer one, not from any, every chain has this problem, not just Immutable. Once the game releases on Immutable, there's heaps of liquidity for, for, the, for their NFTs when they're usable in games. Um, so they, they've launched all their NFTs on Ethereum layer one to date. I think they might have one, in, actually I don't think they even have one like uh, NFT on an immutable. So maybe that they, they were expecting more support from financially and then B&B's been get the checkbook out lately. So I think it's, it's that, but also they've mentioned multi-chain in the past as well. Like they weren't one of these people that have this vision of keep it simple for the for the for the user they can log in with a or three kind of level right. one click login and you've got one ecosystem that just you know the apple style ecosystem that everything links together um you know there's only a couple of places that that are trying to do that oasis immutable muria and maybe arb but i don't think arb's even got that so right they're very fragmented as well um and i so, I, I really am rooting for oxia because i i know that you know they are probably one of the games that has the um, the visual uh, aesthetic that a lot of gamers are going to like. Um, also, yeah. I know that they are um, doing a, a small partnership with Cybercrew from GameStop NFT Marketplace. So that's something that's really cool that, you know, they're they're branching out and bringing other uh, projects in as well um, to, mm. to do promos with. But uh, we'll we'll have to see exactly how that pans out. So, yeah, they're partnered with Ubisoft as well. So, um, they Ubisoft's actually working on their code right now. Correct. Um, so you know it's a shame that they're leaving. And oh, you know, I, I actually never load, like logged into the gate map. I just there's just too much to do in Web three gaming, and I don't have all the time in the world. So I got kind I didn't, of um, confused on their gate map thing. I I de- I was checking around on on some of it and um i i just didn't know exactly what i was supposed to do but i then again i didn't really follow up on it after the fact so i think some of that's on me (laughs) well that i'm very interested in this because um personally i've never played a game on bnb when my you know i've been around since 2020 early 2020 
And B&B was the scam chain to me. Every single scam game was on B&B. So it was like, if you're going to build on that chain, I'm like, I'm just not going to risk it. So I haven't really, there's a couple of games now that I've seen, like Fusionist that looked all right. And now this one. And But like, even when I was looking at games, I'm like, there's a couple, there was one that was like Age of Empires that looked, the graphics looked almost identical to the latest version of Age of Empires, the, the, the overhaul one. And they're copying that. Now it's gone as well. And they t- they did all their token sales and NFT sales, and now all of a sudden it's gone. So, you know, that's, my experience with BNB has been that. So I just stay clear of that chain. And you know, maybe I'll get it out for, you know, get a get a wallet for it for Oxy Origin to play it. But I don't know, man. Oxy Origin will want to be a good game. I'm I'm very interested to see if they end up on BNB or OP BNB and how that that decision then pans out for them in 12 months. I think it's going to be a a major mistake on their behalf. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to see. Um, and I yeah. think I think another one we're gonna have to keep an eye on is um, Delizium because uh, it, they just tweeted the other day about Lucy again. If I hear about Lucy again, I might um, pull out <laughs> the last bit of of hair that I do have um, because all of the time that uh, they've been put they've been putting into. Uh, the game and I, you know, I play tested. I was like ranked in like the top 10 play testers. I had a great time playing the game and all I keep hearing about is Lucy and AI and all of this stuff. And I feel like uh, Ricky Ricardo right now. I feel like Lucy, mm-hmm. you have some explaining to do because um, <laughs> quite a bit of time invested in this as well as um, money because I, invested in the you know the the genesis mint and everything and uh now they're gonna be pointing all their time to lending out lucy to everyone else and i don't know how that helps me game or make my money back so um, yeah so what information i've got is that the eight years ago they started ai and then four years ago or maybe five now they started building delicium then they sell these like weld for delicium you know like there's what are they call dmas or dmos D- dmos yeah dmos for for people to be able to build their own world in this ai driven you know world shooter game like mmo style game where you can bet you build your own like instance that people can play in and you, your job is to track people to your instance and there's thousands of them now yeah so it all sounded really exciting but then there's also the chat i saw what i think it was bored um or Someone bought a Lupify, I'll get the mix up, um, said, listed a few games that started off as games and turned into tech. And that was the way I got the thought about this because I've had, an, I've actually had a conversation with um, Jenny, the um, a Telegram dialogue with Jenny from their PR from mm-hmm. Delicium. And I, I asked them for an interview to do, for, for this podcast because I was super excited about it. And I was very surprised to hear the actual words of we have deprioritized the game for the AI. And I'm like, is this another case of Slack? You know, the MMO that yeah. turned into Slack? Yeah. Um, you know, did they find something better for them to make money? Um, and Or is it just de- an actual deprioritization which they will come back, circle back? And if they don't circle back, what's going to happen with those DMOs and those people that invested in that? It's very interesting time for the Delisium. Yeah. Um, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they circle back and try to um you know make that into something or or how they spin it off 
I think the last yeah. thing we have uh, for this episode is marketplace changes incoming for IMX. Yeah. Do you want me to go into that? Yeah. Let's. Uh, let's. What do you got? So the marketplace is very different. Everyone knows by now, or should start to know now, that it's a API-driven marketplace, not a contracts-driven marketplace. So where you don't, when you sell your NFT, it's it's not locking up a contract like OpenSeas or any other marketplace, Blur or any of those main ones, Magic, Magic Eden. Um, there are 14 marketplaces that are that are official that are built on the API, which means that if you list an NFT on what, say, the GameStop marketplace, it gets put into the, the API world and it's available to everyone to be able to... Oh my God, that alarm's going off again, if you can hear it, sorry. You um, um, So if if the if you list it in one place it can be lit, it can be sold and bought sorry it can be bought on any other people's uh, other marketplaces that decide to, to to list that collection so from the next um um sorry i'm getting really and uh it's right. my dog so, knocking so, the door so going from the the you know already <laughs> global order book uh right now and then what what upcoming changes are are going to be so yeah yeah so in this style the other major difference with this is there's four fees that are broken down in when you when you pay for it and at the current marketplace version one this the buyer pays all those fees so if if the seller lists an nft for one one ethereum they get one Ethereum, the buyer comes onto their marketplace and the calculation of what it costs is done by that marketplace, the place where they're buying it from. So it could be different depending on where you're buying it from. Um, yep, I list one NFT on GameStop and someone comes on the token trove and can buy it. They can come onto Rarible and buy it, the exact same NFT. So the protocol fee is 2%. The marketplace fee is a, is broken into two, a maker and a taker. So the person that makes the sale or the bid, or sorry, not the bid, the offer, so either puts adds liquidity to the marketplace by either making a bid or by listing an NFT or um, and the taker fee, the, the, which is the marketplace that actually sells the item. So therefore, the, the, the Ethereum or whatever the, the token is gets split between the, wherever the NFT is bought and sold. If it's different, then it gets to two different locations. And then there's also the, obviously the creator fee, the royalties. So there's four, protocol, royalties, taker, and maker. So at the moment, the buyer buys it all. Uh, but to prepare for ZKEVM and to make it cross-platform capable, ZKEVM and and uh, sorry, StarkX will be compatible on the same marketplaces and listable on the same marketplaces. Um, the to, to enable that, the seller was actually going to pay the fee for the um, when they list. Right. Which is... A big change, and also it means that um, there's two percent fee on the ZKAVM um, sales as well. Right, so you pay gas as well as the two percent. Exactly, and that's that's mm -hmm. where the next change comes in, where IMX is going to be the gas token for uh, for Immutables ZKAVM. Mm. So, yeah, so there's big yeah big changes. The, the StarkX side will still, I believe, be gas free and. But will it? There's a lot of questions that I've been trying to. I've read lots of documents on this. I spent like two hours, honestly, reading about it, and I'm I'm still not sure 
Does, like the best thing about immutable StarkX implementation, I can list an NFT for free right now. Bank list it. I don't pay a cent. So does right. this mean? Does this change mean that the seller now has to pay that seller fee up front and have the Ethereum in their or IMX token or whatever token it is in their account to be able to list now? Which is a massive, massive change to the value proposition of immutable, and it's actually I think it takes away from it. I would imagine but, if it is a zk. Uh, nft that you are going to be selling i would imagine you would need that that gas token in there before but uh i don't know if you remember like the first episode we were talking about how i did a little uh uh preview of the uh passport feature uh where they had yeah they they had the the gas fees in there um, it did have the ability to pay with other tokens and it did the swapping yeah. for you and things like that. So relayer. Yeah, correct. It did have the relayer yeah. in there. So that, yeah. that being said, it sounds like that's something that they've already thought about and, uh, would be very smart to, to have done. So, uh, makes so sense. this is, this is my mission for, um, I'm really sorry I didn't explain this very clearly to everyone. So I'm going to do more research in, in another episode of this pod, explain it more details and have these questions answered for us. The question, number two, two questions I really want to know is do StarkX implementation people listening, because it's going to be the same API that they both use. It's going to be called version three of Correct. the API. And it's been built with a, to stop code bloat, which means they'll be and and also redesigned so they can build new features on much easier, much faster. So, will the StarkX NFTs cost gas to list? I hope not. I hope it's flexible that it won't cost gas to list. Um, and will the seller have to on gas is definite every time you list from a StarkX, sorry, a, a zk EVM listing. We'll have to pay gas, but will that will the seller have to pay the the Ethereum on have it come out of their account upon listing an NFT or at least blocking it so it can't be you know can, can, be, can be held in case it's sold? So interesting those two major questions, but also a little bit more explanation. A little bit, I'll get it. I promise you, I'll get it clearer. But it's 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 exciting, and it's it's I, I'm re- this is one of the things that really matters to Immutable. It's been their number one advantage, and how this turns out is going to be so vital for them to maintain that advantage or lose that advantage. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. So, um, on that note, we'll send you off to uh, figure out how you're going to achieve those two <laughs> two tasks, and uh, uh, I think. Honestly, this has been a great episode. I, I again want to thank uh, Last Resort Matt for uh, coming on and taking the time. Um, we had a lot to cover in this in mm. this episode. Um, I'm really looking forward to the future and and what it brings to IMX and Loopring and GameStop NFT. Uh, yeah. Any any closing notes for you? Yeah, I've just got my. Um, I had um, my. A uh, really good result on the Who I'm X episode 18. Um, thanks for everyone that watches that. It uh, reads that thread. It had one of my best uh, performances without having Robbie retweet it, which is thank you for people that do retweet that. Um, it was a I had to cut a lot of content out because uh, it was two weeks of stuff. But this week's I've got a lot of news ready going into it. It'll be out tomorrow night. Um, it's heaps of content again, so I'm gonna have to cut stuff out again. It's Immutable is growing up. It's getting so big that <laughs> I, might, I might have to do bi-weekly newsletters. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, thanks for everyone that supports that. Oh, I love that Who IMX uh, segment. That's actually the, the thing that made me reach out to you 
uh, and be like, mm. hey, we should do a podcast, you know? <laughs> and, um, yeah. You know, and, and really, um, honestly, everyone, everyone in the community, I think, um, as you can see from the response of how many retweets you're getting and things like that, uh, people really do enjoy that segment and it brings a lot of information that is needed. Uh, so, so thank you again yeah. for doing that. No worries. Please, please everyone feel free to retweet just one retweet of mine a week. It'll be that one. Be, I'd love it. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> and it, you know, it, it makes a difference because getting the word out there and then also um, as an advocate for IMX, it, it makes a difference, you know, so yeah. showing, showing that. There's one guy actually in this week's one that I'm going to highlight. I do one community. I try to get one community member that's highlighting an immutable product into the tweet. And there's a guy that's got 498 followers, did an Alluvium uh, tweet thread and got 300,000 views. So I'm going to highlight that this one. <laughs> it's like, talk about success. I was, you know, yeah. one tweet thread, 300,000. I hope that's not botted, but, um, you know, if it, it shouldn't be, um, you know, just there's lots of interest in Alluvium, so we'll see. You'll get to see that tweet. It's actually a really cool thread, to be honest with you, so I think it's it's organic. Looking looking forward to it. So, again, right. thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Gamers Galaxy. and Number five. We'll, yeah, we'll see you next week. See you next week.